Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Flats and Shanks weekly podcast. I, of course, as always, am Thomas George Llewellyn Shanklin, not to be mistaken, uh, as Leslie, as it says on my Wikipedia page, thank you to, um, I don't know who it is actually, must be some someone mug. that's thought, thinks really highly of me. Some mug. Mm. Somebody. And, and you are. Too much time on their hands. And I am David Lancelot Flatman, uh, the third. Um, made in Maidstone, refined in Dulwich. Um, I am, as ever, David Lancelot Flatman, as I have been since I was born. You would love that, wouldn't you? If your surname was Lancelot. Oh. I get asked a lot um, because when my name comes up on Wikipedia, it now says Leslie, but it, sometimes because I've got two middle names, um, it says Thomas George L. Shanklin. And I get asked, what does the oh, L right, stand yeah. for? Yeah, so it's a nightmare all the time. I just say it's length, all right? That's what it stands for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. <laughs> Someone asked me that in the Q and A before, and it was the first word. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm L as well, I'm going to nick that if you don't mind. Yeah, no, of course, mate, of course. Well, it depends. You got to pick your audience, haven't you? So if I'm doing a school kids loved know, it, mate. Yeah, exactly. It did a Q and A at the local prep school, but I might, yeah, I might use that at sort of your working man's club. Um, do you might still not do use him, that at Grosvenor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get down and dirty, mate. Do you wear your? Really expensive bin liner jacket there as well. Yeah. Would you go? Would you go all down and dirty like dready t-shirts, Eclipse, blue bolt jeans, <laughs> tucked into your socks? With your Air Max Reebok on pumps. <laughs> Air Max or Reebok Classics. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've got I've got to look for every occasion. You know that. Mate, you're really good. That is strengths. 
you'd have as you'd be chameleon dressed to the occasion sartorial chameleon yeah exactly um, but also like uh, the other day i was just my daughter was just like she took a picture of me and she's like look at you i was like what she's like you've got a mustache i was wearing a headband that i got from that you've seen that i got from japan i was wearing just a pair of like gym shorts flip-flops painted toenails and a motorhead vest <laughs> she's like yeah. look at you and it wasn't showing bases, off i was just mate. at home on my own i'm just like well and i'm obviously you, got, like you, had the, you had the um headband on because of sweat getting out yeah, your I eyes did, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I was doing stuff. I was doing like, like doing jobs around the house. So it was like vacuuming stuff. So I was sweating. So I've got a headband for that. I mean, the Motorhead t-shirt was made famous by Gareth Thomas on Scrum 5 back in 2006. When Was it? Yeah. Yeah. He wore a Motorhead t-shirt. Um, bear in mind now, he's a wash captain. Mike Ruddock has um, just been sacked. There was loads of talk about player revolt. Um, our captain, about our leader. Revolting players. <laughs> our captain, our leader, Gareth Thomas. His big moment to shine. You think, oh, what's he going to wear? He's going to be a suit, bespoke suit from Savile Row, somewhere like that. Got to be. No, he turns up in a Sergio Giorgini brown jacket, uh, a black Motorhead T-shirt. You can find him. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he had any trousers on. Um, and Eddie Butler and him go head to head, and then after that, you know, he has a. A stroke, but recovers from it fine, thank God. What? Um, who do? Who had a stroke? Yeah, yeah. Alfie. Eddie Butler did. No, Alfie did. Do you not remember? No. Yeah. He had a mini stroke Are you after it. Now? Yes, yes. Oh, my cripes. It got really heated. You know, Alfie was talking about, uh, Eddie was talking about sauces, you know, close to the camp, and Alfie's going, what sauces? What sauces are those? Red sauce, brown sauce? Come on, Eddie, tell us your sauces. <laughs> it was great <laughs> Did to he really? Yes. I don't remember that. Oh, it was oh, really good. It was really good, because obviously Alfie was standing up for the players and everything. And yeah. Still got asked today what happened to Mike Ruddock. Um, yeah, so... Oh, I give the same answer every time. He's fiddling what? the books. He was fiddling the books, all right? <laughs> <laughs> he was skimming off the he top. Creaming off the top. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm i going to look that up, actually, later on. I'm going to, after we get off, I'm going to actually have a little look for that. It's probably still right. You've got to be, I always think you've got to be, um, and I, I say you, you, people like you, me, Alfie, any of us lot, who, to different levels, I concede, were authorities on what we did, right? So, Alfie, 100 caps, you, 70, me, 8. But we were we knew a lot about our world or our job or whatever. But you've got to be careful taking on properly clever people in public arguments and debates mm. because um, I, can't, I, I could get in this wrong. Uh, Luke Fitzgerald, the Irish, former Irish player, had a battle with Paul Kimmage, I think, the journalist. And I can't remember the details of that. I'll look that up after this as well. But you just, if you're going head to head to defend something, you better seriously know your stuff. Because the thing about journalism is journalists, good ones, research things aggressively and for a long time. And they don't stop researching things. And they have a thirst to know everything about something before they present their view, which is, I guess, probably the definition of journalism. And that's why you could never call a, a sports pundit a journalist if, if all they do is turn up and describe what they've seen. It's still an expert role, 
but the journalism comes later. I think the journalism comes through, I don't know, writing or whatever. It's less reactive. But then I just, you've got to be so, I just would, I don't know why players agree to that stuff. Yeah, you've got to. Why are you going to go and do You've got to be briefed. You've got to come in with facts. You can't win an argument with emotion. Um, I've learned that well. Um, been married for a mm-hmm. while. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you've got to, you've got to really do your due diligence and make sure that you have every base covered I'm in the hope that you don't slip up but yeah I totally agree um, and you've got to be smart be able to think on your feet you don't want to be backed into a corner do you and come out going uh, 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 uh. yeah I don't agree with that in the workplace sort of thing yeah if you, if, I do if, not if, agree with that in the workplace willy nilly I don't know I just think that's a it's a dangerous game like you've got to stand up for what you believe like absolutely but if you are going to go head to head with a highly intelligent individual and well highly intelligent well researched articulate individual like mm. Eddie Butler is not a man I know well but I would put an awful I'm, maybe Alfie did I don't know but I, I would put an awful lot of work in before I went on a national TV show and argued with Eddie Butler about something yeah I'd put an awful lot of work in well you'd also pick your battles wouldn't you say oh maybe that's not for me maybe I'll do next week against Mark Regan <laughs> <laughs> probably lose that as well yeah yeah um yeah i think there's there's i think there's yeah. um i feel like there's a there's a storm brewing it's in, not to um, say you can't it's not to say you can't but no go like go for it and it, yeah I, I absolutely if you're going to take on a journo now who would you take on <sighs> mm, exactly oh mm. um you're trying to think of someone who's not the sharpest now, aren't you? No, take on Alex Lowe from the Times because we basically pretty much everything he writes is everything I think. Okay. So like we wouldn't really disagree, and it'd be like, yeah, well, I think that's unfair. Yeah, well, so do I. Cool. Yeah, well, I want a coffee. Yeah, me too. Um, I, don't, I like I like the whole idea of not I like value the whole notion of saying stand up for exactly what you think. And I haven't seen the Alfie and Eddie Butler thing, so I'm not. That's not the thing. But it's like. If you know, if you are going to go toe to toe with someone who seriously knows their onions, oof, yeah, that's punchy. It's like, uh, yeah, I'd probably go. Um, I'd probably take on two at the same time. I'd probably go Stuart Barnes and Stephen Jones. Yeah, great idea. Yeah, yeah, I think fairly easy. Uh, great idea. Get my point across, and yeah. there's no point going in small, mate. I'm going to the top. I'll take them down. Yeah, bring them down a few pegs. Yeah. No, I'm joking. I love them. I love them both. Um, yeah, I think that would that would count as a bad idea. But I, equally, it's like if it's one of those things that it's like politicians going on question time. It's like if if you have a good base of knowledge, if you are also comfortable conceding when there are things you haven't swatted up on, or you've missed something, or you don't know everything, and if you've got nothing to hide, then it's a great it's thing. Out, it's a beautiful then. thing, and it's probably it's probably quite fun doing those sorts of things but if you're going to go head to head with someone like the i think it was paul kimmage thing correct me if i'm wrong twitter but um that was just like woof you know yeah or you just get you get like danny dyer on question time talking over brexit or i don't know oh (laughs) (laughs) danny dyer has gone from being well what is he that guy's a muppet that guy's a hero i mean people love him now it's funny that it well copy new now um i love it when you see actors and people like danny dyer um you actually see they've got such a fun 
personality and whether whether or not they're being serious or not you never know you know it's like is Joey Essex should he be did he go to school like is he a Mensa student um, does he work for NASA you know you don't know because the, yeah. the bright man could play the dull man but the dull man can't play the bright man um, and I think yeah, that but also it's like Liam Gallagher as well when you see some of the funny stuff he does about making cups of tea you know the little snippets yeah. of behind the scenes hilarious mate Eddie Hearn another one off, it, out of context Eddie Hearn so funny it's one of my favourite Twitter accounts so oh mate massive news Tyson and Joshua well well terms have been right. agreed right so boy oh no don't this is layered me. this is layered okay for those that don't Pure know sport. for those that don't know um it was announced yesterday on social media because that's the only place we can get our news now uh, and the TV uh, that Tyson Fury and uh, Anthony Joshua have agreed a two fight um, whatever you want to call it package um, for next year I think I could I don't know I can't remember whether I read about this morning I can't remember whether or not Tyson Fury has to beat Deontay Wilder in order to activate that deal um, but he's got to fight Deontay Wilder first, yep. which may be on New Year's Day. However, the layers beneath that are that we are applauding. Tyson Fury has openly um, praised this chap called Kinahan. I think it's some Daniel Kinahan. I was just I forget the name exactly. I was just yeah. reading about it this morning. But this is a person with alleged known slash alleged links to. Um, uh, organized crime on a global scale and he was accused he was said by a court um in marbella to have ordered the murder of another individual right so this is serious stuff and relatives have you know they are part of this was he found guilty uh let me google it. well just have a tell you what what i'd say to you is and to our listeners have a read of it because this is. I'm doing jury duty next month, right? And if I go in with a mindset yeah. like that, then that's no good for anyone, right? Innocent till proven guilty. Yeah. So the Kinahan cartel. Um, so the Hutch Kinahan feud is a major feud between two criminal organisations in the Republic of Ireland that has resulted in the deaths of 20 people. The Hutch gang, led by Jerry Hutch, and the Kinahan family, led by Christy Kinahan, who is either the father or the brother of. Uh, Daniel Kinahan, who has brokered this deal allegedly, or been credited by Tyson Fury. So this is it's serious stuff. Yeah. Um so Christy Kinahan, Christy the Dapper Don Kinahan, born in nineteen fifty eight, is an Irish drug dealer with convictions for ecstasy and heroin smuggling, who is regarded as the biggest drug lord in Ireland. So this is the person that well that's not the person, but these are the people who Daniel Kinahan is praised by Tyson Fury for brokering the Joshua deal. And it's like, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. You know, that in the I'm looking at the internet now, the son says he runs drug he runs drug and money laundering cartel. So drug and money laundering cartel called the Kinahan they call the Kinahan cartel. And the son this is this? serious stuff. Like Really not on the Sun. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Anyone on so page three at the moment? It's serious stuff. It's in all the papers today. And you, and you just think, I oh, say not. And you just think, you know, are journalists deliberately avoiding this? Are deliberately avoiding it? And there was a, uh, you know, sort of 
Steve Bunce and they got a lot of these comments, boxing commentators are like, yeah, biggest fights in history, let's do it. And a lot of excitement, of course. And I'll be watching the fights, don't get me wrong. So there's a massive amount of hypocrisy here. However, are we just ignoring the fact that this is the person brokering the deals? Is this is this okay? Is this allowed? Is this morally oh, bankrupt? Mate, is it well? As long as we see the fight, who cares? A massive kettle of fish there, mate. You know, we could go on about Volkswagen, Mercedes-Benz, Hugo Boss. Yeah. You know? Well, no. Hugo Boss made uniforms for the Nazis a very long time ago. Yeah. And you love them, I don't buy it. But the VW stuff is horrific and they've been, you know, they've been sued. They lost a a, a um, landmark lawsuit recently. Someone actually, yeah, sued them and won. So they now having to pay out tens of thousands of people who bought vehicles with this sort of um, this deceptive regulatory software in it, whatever it is. So no, I'm talking about I'm talking about uh, how they use Jewish slaves to build cars and things like that. You know, years. Oh yeah, years but ago. oh yeah, ab- absolutely. But but this is this is now. Like this is. This is now. This is an act. They talk about it being. They talk about it being an active cartel, an active. Oh wow! You've ruined the fight for me. Well crime. done. I don't want to watch it now. Um, yeah, I'm going to watch it. So I'm a hypocrite, but I, you know. Yeah. I don't think you. Should, I don't think that you should. We should just. The, the actual people who cover boxing just shouldn't mention it because it's inconvenient. I think you know. Okay. Be honest about it. Um, well, thanks for putting down on that. Anyway, I started to watch yesterday because there wasn't much on sport. Uh, it was 1995, uh, Chicago Bulls versus the Knicks. Yeah. And I wouldn't watch that normally, but after watching the Michael Jordan documentary, I had to watch it. And this was when he wore the number 45, I think, because he'd yeah. retired 23. Um, you know, his dad passed away, didn't he? Mate, he scored 55 points, I think, in that game. <laughs> and I, I couldn't stop watching it. I, I didn't watch it to the end. Um, didn't so you could ready. stop. Yeah, well, I had to. Dinner was ready. What are you going to do, mate? No one stopped yeah, me from really shepherd's me. pie. Uh, yeah. And phenomenal, mate. Honestly, like, I was so intrigued and I loved watching it. He was just brilliant. Scored more baskets than anyone else. Like, Patrick Ewan, who was the big Knicks star, uh, yeah. next big thing, you know, no, got no way near him in terms of points scored. Just, and this is coming towards the end of his career as well. Just his movement, his fadeaway, where he has got a sort of back to you steps, moves backwards, shoots. Yep. Cat, you know, world apart from anyone else on that um, court. Loved it, loved it. Um, saying that, I probably won't watch another one, but I was in yeah, the right. Mo- you know, I was in the right mood for it, if that makes sense. It's like one of those books that's unputdownable, and then you you put it down and don't finish it. But um, I had a great yeah. bit of uh, advice. Or recommendation, I should say, from Sonia McLaughlin from the BBC, yeah. Sonj. Um, when I put a tweet out a few uh, days ago about what series can I watch, and she said Cardinal, BBC. Ooh. Brilliant. Is it? Brilliant. Loved the first series. Oh. Now, it's set in uh, in Canada, so they're, they're French-Canadian. Um, they speak in English, so it's not yeah. subtitled. Uh, he's, Cardinal is a detective. Yeah. Um, and murders, solving mur- murders, basically. Cardinal looks like Viper from Top Gun. It took me ages to work that out. He also looks a little bit like Scott Murray, a cross between Scott Murray and Viper from Top Gun. Mm. Do you know which one Viper is? I'm thinking um, Viper. Viper is the Val Kilmer's mate. I was no, 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 no. That, I think that might be Hollywood. Um, Viper is the guy that flew with his dad. 
and at the end says, look, if you're struggling for someone, I'll fly with you. You know who goes around his house? The old guy? That's Viper. Okay. Yeah. Um, You're Googling now, yeah. You'll see it. Um, Got him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He also looks a little bit like Scott Murray, um, Cardinal, but it's really good. A couple of little twists in there. Um, I've done, there's four series. I've done the first one, six episodes. Well done. Yeah. And um, I'm in. I'm invested. I'm going to finish it. Getting some work in you, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Well done. That's what even as a four main. Yeah, well done, boy. That's good stuff. Anything like you've been watching? Uh, what am I watching at the moment? Yeah, there is. I'll tell you what I watched last night was Stuck in Limbo, this uh, the Windrush scandal drama. That is worth watching. It's on iPlayer. Um, oh, it, now's not the time, but everyone should watch that. Um, okay. Particularly moving uh, drama. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, particularly affecting didn't sleep brilliantly I'll level with you um, it's hot and, though, isn't it sorry I'm just saying it's hot it's though. hot yeah I've started Killing Eve not enjoyed it um, so I've been that and Smithy the, the media legend from Newcastle tweeted that as well and he goes series one and two brilliant three no and I'm, I'm with you mate I'm out mm. um, start watching that so I'm watching State of Happiness at the moment I think it's on iPlayer as well um, it's about it's a drama it's about um basically the Americans drilling for oil in Norway and the fact that they were just about to leave and one guy convinced them to try one more and would you believe it? Whammo. They're all Whammo. going and it's it's um yeah, it's all guns blazing. A British it's, bloke um, found oil in the Middle East, apparently. Really? Yep. Yep. So you can see why UK and Britain made a lot of money because they own the oil industry in the Middle East uh, for large periods until um, I think Saddam Hussein came over and took complete control. Now, paraphrasing a little bit from um, History 101 about oil on Netflix. Yeah. But yeah, it's really interesting. Oh, yeah. um, what was I going to say? I was, what were you going to say? I was going to say Macmillions I've started to watch on... What's that? A Sky documentary. It's about... Now, McDonald's ran this competition, Monopoly competition, um, years ago in the 90s. So... You know, you collect pieces of um, fries and milkshakes and drinks and you put it on a Monopoly board and you can win prizes, you can win holidays, cars, million pounds. And there was a group of people that won lots of money and lo and behold, they're all somehow related. So it was a scandal that went on. on, Yeah. So watching a bit of that, um, I haven't spoiled it for you, find that out straight away, um, which is good. Sorry? I haven't spoiled it for you. Find that bit of information out straight away. Oh, um, great. Okay. And I have started to watch the Jeffrey Epstein uh, documentary. Oh, Filthy it. Rich. Yeah, but I've had to turn it off for a bit because it's just a bit too disturbing for me. Apparently, it's horrendous. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. Really bad. Um, so, might not finish that. Might have to read about it and uh, and summarize yeah. it. But yeah. um, we've got someone on the phone who's going to come on in a little bit. Um, finish his career at your favourite place in the whole wide world. He hasn't world. retired yet, mate. Well, it's inevitable. All right, let's it? ask him. It's inevitable. Let's uh, ask him. Alid Brew will be taking a call from us in a sec. Um, a man that was lost in the wilderness for a bit until Bath snapped him up. And what player he was for Bath. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to talk. I've, I've never spoken to Alid Brew and I'm interested to talk to him because hence us getting him on because 
he was rejuvenated and I, I never know quite how that happens because yeah. did he suddenly get faster did he suddenly get stronger it's it's an odd thing isn't it like yeah because yep. he came to bath and it was like i but you know watch all the game i do not remember him having even a mediocre game for bath I remember him being very good or excellent in every game he played um i remember so I him wonder, just playing havoc with two over at toulon i remember that yeah. game two two over was genuinely scared of him and he's a big bloke as well, Tuis over. Yeah, and he got um, he got a good red card, which we're going to talk to him about. Mm. Um, I'm just googling it now. Um, he got a red card at the wreck, I think. Yeah, they beat they beat Saints sadly because it would have been much better if it cost them the game. Would have been a much better story, wouldn't it? Yeah, hundred um, percent. But yeah, I'm really I'm keen to talk to him, and we're going to talk to him. But first of all, if you don't mind, Tommy, I'm going to, um, I'm going to. Uh, pop to the loo if that's all right and do we we yes of course i know it's all right with you so let's have a quick break and come back in a sec yeah i know how bad your bladder is not as bad as martin williams mind. who is the worst but it's quite is bad. he yeah mine's quite bad um right back in a sec yeah quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Alid Brew. Just had one of them, actually. A lovely cup. Um, yeah, well <laughs> how are you, mate? Um, congratulations on your retirement. You've done now, aren't you? Yeah, completely done, yeah? <laughs> Hang your boots up. <laughs> Well, it seems that way, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> no, not not quite yet. Um, I was hoping to have. Uh, I know I was hoping to have one more, at least one more year in me. Um, I was actually speaking to someone today about this. Um, you know, in other circumstances, I probably would be ready to hang them up. But I suppose it feels a bit weird this season, just hanging hanging your boots up. Yeah. Um, finishing this way, um, and that's one of the reasons why I. Preferably, I'd like to just do another year, finish on my terms. I suppose yeah. it's a bit like getting um, 
getting injured and and having to retire. It's it's not on on your terms. So I thought you yeah, were retiring because uh, Hooky had retired. And he just wanted to follow suit. Uh, Double uh, testimonial yeah. was it? Joint testimonial. <laughs> 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 Try and get cash in some of his money. Like that'd be lovely. Hook and brew. The hook and brew. We're doing a yeah a curry night at the hook and brew. It's like, like we a little habit that um it's like a little game that Shanks and I quite like playing. Alan is that we we've announced Wayne Barnes the referee. We've announced his retirement a few times, and once it actually made it into a major broadsheet newspaper, like the day after we announced it during the World Cup, um, we like to take credit for that, even though he hasn't actually retired. Um, but Shanks basically is announcing your retirement at this point. But you're not ready, are you? You want to go on? Um, are you still in shape? That's what I'm asking. Oh, I'm in mental, Nick. You should see it. <laughs> oh, God alive. It's it's unbelievable. No, nah, I've been quite lucky, actually. Um, just before lockdown, I managed to get some some equipment. Um, and also been doing a bit of CrossFit with um, a few of the lads uh, over Zoom, which oh, is nice. bloody tough. Yeah. Uh, been doing a bit with Foxy and Priest and, uh, and yeah. on Zoom. Yeah. Bloody hell. Foxy's just taking a mick, isn't he? Mental. Like, nick on him. Oh, just a mental nick, but he just... just the way he just gets through it, me and Reese is like, I just don't believe he's got any weight in those dumbbells. It's just, he's just doing it like it's, we had, what did you do the other day? We had to do 50 squats, I think. No, 300 squats, I think it was. 300 squats with 16 kg uh, dumbbells, oh. two of them. And it's quite deep ones as well. And that guy is just flying through it like it's air squats. I know. And I'm just like, yeah. what the heck is going on here? It's like, um, it's like no weaknesses on him. The only weakness is head guard, I can think of. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. that's yeah, definitely a bit weak on my head guard. I mean, um, especially if you're looking for like, you know, the, the corporate market. You know, people want to see what you look like. Um, and he, he wears a head guard. That's the only weakness I can see in him. Everything else, he's sort of he's ninety hundred percent. It's um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go down that route, and we don't we don't glorify uh, violence, but uh, we used to play. Well, I used to play with a well. I won't I won't say his name in case it shows him up because it's not a very nice thing he's about to say, but. At the time, it was funny. We were playing against Newcastle and they had Johnny Wilkinson. And it was like, yeah, Johnny does this. Uh, Johnny does this. And usually we target 10, but we're going to move away. Because if you're anywhere near 10 or 12 channel, Johnny's nailing you. Um, don't make any mistakes or he kicks the points. He does everything. And then one of the Welsh boys said, yeah, but he can't run without his eyeballs, can him? <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> yeah, he didn't gouge him, just for the record. Completely uh, true. Um, now... Brewie, um, last um, few seasons you've been at Bath, um, quite a big Welsh contingent there, but tell us a little bit about that journey to Bath, because you were sort of picked out of the wilderness a little bit, weren't you? Even though you had yeah, nine caps um, to your name, one more than flats. Yeah, true. Ooh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, but we don't, I mean, before you answer that, Alan, we, Shanks and I have agreed that basically every Welsh cap... I haven't. Every every English cap's worth about ten Welsh, so you've basically about zero point nine uh, you, England caps. But not is that fair? You and JJ are exactly the same. <laughs> aren't you? It's, it's just the arrogance is unbelievable. Um, yeah, I could, <laughs> mate, you can smell it through this microphone. Don't know why everyone hates us. Anyway, fair, you can answer your question. Enough, you, fair enough, you say that as well. That's exactly what boys reckon. Um, quite a few boys think, especially in Bath, or name names. But if they were Welsh, they'd have had fifty caps by now. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, Bitterness. And these are boys who haven't had an English cap yet. And I'm like, boys, how, you, how can you say that? How can you say you have 50 caps if you haven't had Play for like Eastern Counties. I think it's the same with playing for Wales. The thing is, I've got, I've got a theory on this, Alid. The theory, it's, it's all about positions. So if you're 
basically a specialist position, like say you're a front row or you are a, basically a, a ball, a really good breakdown number seven, or you are a scrum half or a fly half and you are in basically a specialist role. There are so few players in Wales that basically someone, if someone twists their ankle, I'm on the bench and as a prop. <laughs> so it's like there are three, say there are four teams and one, one team, the Dragons, whatever, have got a Kiwi starting at loose head, then there are three left. So Paul James twists his ankle or Gethin twists his ankle. I'm on the bench. I'm getting capped. And before you know it, I've got 50 caps. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, I would have That's had it, hundreds. Wow. That's basically what Kai I'm Griffiths hundreds. be before you. Oh, I hadn't was okay before. Yeah, <laughs> right. He's but, better bloke. Yeah. So anyway, Brew, you're you're signed anyway. for Bath, but you sort of oh, no, yeah. you don't the go journey. missing, but you're you're not so much in the in the public. You stop slagging eye, him off, you? Shanks. He's our guest, mate. I'm not. I'm, I wanted yeah, to explain. Why, a, I yeah. just I just got back from France, Biarritz. Yep. Two lovely years in Biarritz. I got the photos right in front of me. This is lovely, actually. Um, I came back. Um, had a few offers. Decided. To, Show a bit of like loyalty back to the dragons, um, as they give me, you know, a lot of uh, game time, good memories as well. Yeah. Um, so I went back to the dragons. Unfortunately, different coaches um, just didn't work out, and I got sent down to Bedwas semi pro. Yep. Um, and to be fair to them, they were great to me, uh, Bedwas. Um, you know, I had to I had to train all day with the dragons, and then I had to go and train in the evenings then over oh. in Bedwas. Um, but to be fair to the guys, the coaches, um, Spot and Heer Lane. Do you know Heer, uh, Shanksy? Oh, of course I do. Yeah, Heer, yeah, you know yeah. him. He, uh, Lenny, because it's uh, difficult to pronounce. Sorry, Lenny, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, those guys were awesome. They were like, Brewie, you don't have to uh, train tonight. Just, uh, just watch the moves. Uh, if you fancy joining in, just, just join yeah. in. Blah, blah, blah. By the way, you're captain as well. And taking all <laughs> <and take laughs> <on> versions. <laughs> and they, I was like, okay, great. So I played a few games with them, and you know, it was a good laugh. Uh, they're nice guys, and um, and enjoyed it. But then, yeah, I was down um, watching my son play rugby, um, and Darren Edwards' son was playing on the other side. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, Darren was the uh, backs coach of the of Bath at the time, and he asked me. Bought my coffee first, didn't you? Here you go, mate. Like <laughs> do one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got my coffee. He just asked, like, what's going on, Brewy? I said nothing, mate. I said, I've, you know, just not really seen eye to eye to, with, uh, with the coach. And Darren obviously knew the coach very well because he, he had just left Dragons at the time, understood my uh, predicament. And they said, oh, we're looking for a, uh, a back three player. Yeah. Uh, we've, got, we've, gone, you know, we've got a few injuries and so on. And... Um, I speak to the guys. I think Todd uh, had just arrived as well. Todd Blackadder and Tabby Matson. Uh, they didn't really, well, they knew who I was, obviously, but they c- couldn't remember exactly what I was capable of. So yep. a couple of clips went over to him. I think they, they dug it out from somewhere. And uh, yeah, they, they said, uh, come in. So I, I agreed my termination with the Dragons as soon as possible and, uh, and uh, left. Did you feel like you had a, a new sort of lease of life there? Did you feel like you know you're outside of Wales, you're outside of the bubble, um, you can maybe relax a little bit and just get on with, I suppose, just playing rugby? Yeah, it was a bit, um, bit surreal actually. Um, so I got there originally, it was going to be just uh, some cover, which I needed. Yeah. Um, so he said, oh, so I was contracted until December, they said. Uh, so September to December, uh, see how it goes. And I said, yeah, it's fine. 
and manager, you know, obviously did my homework work first, again, again uh, up to scratch with all the moves. Luckily enough, I was still in good nick as well, obviously. Um, standard brewery. Um, standard. Standard. and uh, Short bursts. Yeah, I had my opportunity fairly quickly. I uh, managed to give JJ dead leg in training. Good. Um, so he was out to the Leicester game. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I was on the bench for Leicester after about, oh, about 10 minutes. Uh, Dan Bowden got uh, concussed and I was on. And then, yeah, I just, uh, from there, just managed to take my opportunity, really. Uh, the boys what actually take a mick at me and go on. Oh, go on, go on. I was say the boys actually take a mick at me and say I should, I should always be on short term contracts. That's my best rugby. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of those guys. I mean, but it's like you need the threat of unemployment to get you fired up. But it's like, <laughs> I, you know, so I, I, I commentate on that sort of stuff and I watched you arrive at Bath and I remember thinking like, because there was all this talk like Shanks is saying you've been in the wilderness you were looking for an option you hadn't been hadn't worked at Dragons the coaches didn't want to pick you there so these guys are professional rugby coaches they're picking a team that they want to win every week and in their mind you are not good enough at your job to help them win every week so they drop you down to semi-pro then you arrive at Bath and it's like bang as soon as you started playing it was like what on earth were those guys thinking so what it's almost like this new lease of life is the obvious way to describe it, but it's like um, you presumably you weren't suddenly faster or stronger or fitter. You weren't suddenly more talented. You weren't maybe we, we, you weren't suddenly working hard when you hadn't worked hard for five years. So what what about the club was it that enabled you to just come in and perform straight away, or was it actually the fear of not having a job a couple of months from now? Yeah, it wasn't the threat of uh, unemployment. I'd ready, um, I started making sort of plans that I was going to potentially go into the police um, because obviously pro rugby wasn't working out for me mm. at that time. Um, but um, so I, I wasn't really bothered about the unemployment thing. It was just more to do with proving people wrong more than anything, uh, proving people that I still was um, capable of that standard. Um, and actually, just really enjoying it. And I, I've spoken about, about this a few times. The first you know, year I got to Bath, it was the first time I actually got coached properly in, I can't even remember how long. Um, I was 29, 30 at the time. And it's just refreshing to be able to get coached um, properly and learn, um, even at the ripe old age of 30. It was great. Yeah, yeah. You've... Yeah. Um... You've played. You've been around for a, a while, Brie. I don't mean that with any disrespect. You know, you've you started young. Um, probably, I remember watching you doing phosphate deck in Uick years and years ago. Um, good as I. Yeah. Well, you've got to do ten of them, haven't you? Quite good for two or three. Then, <laughs> <laughs> then the fatigue hit in. I was exactly the same, mate. Um, all fast twitch. Um, but is there a period you look back now on your career, whether it be Ospreys, Dragons, Bath Birits? Um, I tell you what. Scarlet's be a good signing for you, wouldn't it? For a year um, or a couple of years, you could do the Grand Slam of Regions then. But yeah, Tal Sarevi, <laughs> mate. You know, <laughs> he, won, he won a World Cup with the Sevens. But is there? Hey, is, aren't I? I did. Five, yes. Don't forget me. No, I yeah. won't. I, I, was, I was coming on to that. Um, oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, really quickly. Uh, but is there a moment <laughs> you look back in your career and think that is the that's the moment I enjoyed most? Um. 
I've been asked this question a few times. It's, it's a tough one. Yeah, I've enjoyed. I asked it. You know, uh, yeah, I know. I enjoyed so much. Um, mm. From being in Biarritz, it was yeah. just the best sort of quality of life you could even possibly think of. Um, and that was as a family point of view as well. It was amazing. Um, playing with some quality uh, players, uh, Yashvili, Haranodiki, yeah. uh, um, Bolshoi. Yeah, yeah. biggest sap, biggest sapper in the world. Um, biggest sapper uh, in the history of rugby union. Oh God, alive! Amazing. No wonder Hates him everything. and Coops are, Gareth Cooper were good mates because flipping heck, they those two could sap. Mate, life, mate, it's unbelievable, mate. This is absolute <laughs> shite. It's unbelievably bad, mate. You won't believe it over here. It's unbelievably bad. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Because even Gallagher then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was. Um, you know, that was an awesome time in my life. Obviously, going to the 2011 World Cup, New Zealand. Yeah, great, great time in life. Apart from getting knocked out, um, and also, I suppose the sevens. The sevens was great. when I was on the seven circuit. That was pretty, pretty class to be honest with you as well. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Uh, going to see different parts of the world that I wouldn't have probably seen. Um, if I wasn't in that environment. What, like going to um, see the stars of Neighbours? <laughs> yeah, the Ramsey Street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Um, um, I'm spending like, you know, 10 days in, on a palm in Dubai, which I love that. Yeah, that's class. Um, that is good. Yeah. So, yeah, there's so many things to pick out. But, yeah, I really did enjoy my time in Biarritz. Um, it's one of my favourite places to to go, actually. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think, I think for a lot of people... You know, sort of myself included, as it happens, that Biarritz would have been a dream club to play for, but the phone call never came. But um, it's one of those—it's one of those clubs that has suffered um, sort of relatively recently. But it is one of those clubs that we would lazily over here call a typical French club that has some rock star players who run the place. They've got some decent players, um, but there's no real direction there. The coaches are all mad. They spend tons, tons of money, but they can't actually evolve and find a way to win because there's no structure there. Um, is that how it felt to you? Because it was one of those sort of romantic French clubs. You look at Toulouse now and they seem to be really developing and they're professional and there's less body fat being carried around and people looking good nick and there's structure to the way they play. But Beerit died a bit of a death at one point, didn't they? And it was it was it a typical crazy French club? Uh, yeah, it was a bit mental. I went through about three or four coaches in the in the two years I went there. I was there, yeah. so it was a bit mental in that respect. Um, but uh, you know, they had some quite like say quality players there. They were all coming to the end of their career, um, but they were still quality players. Um, I just think the club probably wasn't running the best um, sort of as a business, which didn't help them. Uh, I just think yeah, it was it was a bit of a, a bit of a tough one because when I got when, before I got there, they'd reached the the final of the Pro Fourteen or Top Catos, um Top Forty, sorry, just and speak um, French, well done. Yeah, Desolé, um, and uh, yeah. So when I got, arrived there, obviously it was big expectations uh, to sort of to emulate that, and we did for the first sort of four or five months we were like top of the league um you know we we're doing really well i thought here we go this is some some silverware here come in this year and then all of a sudden after after christmas we lost like 10 games on the bounce i think it was just mental i've never seen such a like, collapse in such a in the team and then obviously that's when the coaches started to get blamed um 
and then they were out. The new coaches came in, and then we didn't. We still didn't perform. They're out again. Other coaches come in. So yeah, the players definitely had the power, uh, which is a bit mental. Um, really, but uh, it was uh, it was a shame really because it's a class place. It was the, the the fans are like really passionate and they love their rugby down there. Um, I just think as a, as a whole, it was just a, it was a shame that they. They went down the way they did. Was it a bit like um, Bolsh moaning um, about everything and um, Imano and Yash basically deciding that the coach has got to go and it's all rubbish over a, an espresso and a cigarette deciding that they're going to overthrow a coaching regime? Is that kind of how it works? That's how we all imagine it working. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You know, you see some... So those boys, it was, it was about five of them, actually, powerful French players. Um, you had Jerome Tio there. Um, Jerome Tio, yeah. Benoit Auguste, um, yeah. Damien Trai, Yashvili, and Haran Odeke. Um And then Bosch in the background then, like they've been whispering things to them. <laughs> um, yeah, th- those those guys, they, they were the power. And I remember once, um, when the coaches came in and he was... I didn't even know what he said, to be honest with you, because it was all in French. But um, it was pretty, like, basically blaming us for everything. I remember Damien Try standing up after he left and went, don't worry, boys, <laughs> he'd be gone next week. <laughs> <laughs> and he was. <laughs> oh, wow. And he was. Yeah, I know. I was like, God, what the heck? And he was gone. Yeah. Sacked. Wow. Well, see you again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, going back to the yeah. professionalism, it's quite, quite mad because... The boys used to have um, some of the French boys used to have a fag, have <laughs> a fag, a half time in the toilet, and they'd be blowing the, the smoke down the toilet and flushing the flushing toilet, and, oh, <laughs> things like that. It was, it was mental. That's what um, Sean Edwards reckons was the hardest thing when he turned up uh, to to coach France um, this year was that he trying to get the boys to stop smoking. <laughs> <laughs> so good yeah not not like Eleven, not the yeah. hardest thing being like a language barrier between a guy that can hardly speak English let alone French but trying to get him to give up smoking yeah do you love a fag a baguette and a glass of wine um, do you love those three all together I like that yeah we like to ask people on this podcast like um, their first cap now you capped in 2007 uh, Gareth Jenkins in charge. Um, you also went on the social tour of Australia um, after war- <laughs> after that, but you know, we we won't go into that. Um, singing, not spewing, boys. But <laughs> what do you remember about your first cap against Ireland? What do I remember about that? Is God not that's a lot? A tough question. It's not a lot, really. No, I remember coming to camp. I never had any sort of. Um, I didn't have. A th- I didn't really didn't think I was actually going to get a cap. I just thought I was just there for some experience. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it happened so quickly, actually. I was on the bench before you knew it. And, um, yeah, I remember Hal coming off, uh, me coming up onto, onto the pitch. Yeah. I think there was – I was so nervous. Was, um, I think O'Gara had booted the ball out, but it looked like it was a penalty anyway. But I dropped that ball, the high ball. I came my way. I just thought, oh, for sake. Absolutely gutted. But lucky enough, it was a penalty to the side um, uh, against Ireland. And it didn't matter. But yeah, um, that that time was a bit of a. It went so quickly. It was 
It's surreal, really. I remember playing with you um, in the World Cup warm-up game against England, which um, oh, we narrowly lose by 50 points. Um, <laughs> I can't remember. Someone comes through and you end up splitting them in two, which in today's game would be a, a red card straight away. But I can't, but it was just it was a nightmare day, wasn't it? Yeah. We, you know, we had a, it was a nightmare, yeah. mix and match team. We had sort of club sandwiches, pre-match meal and apple crumble. And then we're, <laughs> we're going to Twickenham to play... England's one of England's strongest teams. Um, yeah, half-heartedly. I mean, we took it as a warm-up game. England took it as like a World Cup final. Um, but yeah, we. I think we said, didn't we? If we keep them under sixty, we'll count it as a win. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we said that. That was yeah. We, uh... we gave ourselves a little <laughs> handicap, didn't we? God. At the start, but it was. I mean, that was one of the wor- that was one of the toughest games ever because I remember yeah. all we did that day was tackle. It was boiling hot as well. I hate the sun. It hates me. Um, but um, do you look back? Uh, with your international career and in a way just think you probably could have done more had you been given a bit more of a chance yeah I think it's when you know going back to that that game um, against England uh, it's little things like that I got Simbin didn't I I remember Lee Byrne grassing me up Um, so I'm the one who split uh, I think a hip kiss in half that's the one yeah Um, yeah he he came busting through the middle of two average centres yeah. and um, yeah and I had to end up smashing smoking him and then I think Bernie was going to get carded and he turned around to the ref and went no no it was him and pointed over to me no he didn't and the ref was like oh I spoke to the uh, touch <laughs> yeah spoke to the touch judge judge was oh yeah yeah he was definitely uh, number 14 over there and he's like oh. so yeah pretty yellow card <laughs> Bernie was happy days um but yeah, things like that didn't really help help my my cause, I suppose. Getting binned in a game like that. Um, and I remember I was quite close to going to that uh, World Cup as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, they took Jamo instead, uh, Dav James. Yeah. Instead, um, through just because he could um, cover more positions, uh, they said. But uh, which was a bit getting was to myself. Brown but, yeah, brown yeah, I think. Who <laughs> knows? Yeah, and then um, well, actually, I remember them saying I was speaking to Reese Priestley about this the other day. I was saying like I remember them asking me, "Oh, do you fancy playing uh, in centre in the centre thirteen? And I said, "Oh, I've never really played. I've only played like twelve at college. I wouldn't really. do it I to Shanks. Really I wouldn't do it to Shanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you, I wouldn't do it to. Do you, would you fancy that? And I was like, I've never played it before. And they're like, Oh, what about fullback? I said, Yeah, I'd give it a go. So I remember in one of the warm up games against each other I played full back um, but like they wanted me to play other positions but I was just like pretty nervous I didn't really want to want to try it and then I spoke to a priest about this and he was like uh, apparently uh, Gat said the same to Shingler he's like uh, Shings can you play um, 13 can you, can you, can you play uh, back, back um, se- can you play 7 or 6 I think it was and he never he never played in his life and he's like yeah play. I can do that no problem Never played in his life, and he just and he just went on and carried on playing <laughs> playing all positions that he never played in his life before, which is yeah shows that if you got a bit of confidence in um, mm. then you can you can go on. Well, but, yeah, Dav said yeah, he, think... Dav said he could play ten, nine, uh, <laughs> six, so did I though, man. Yeah. <laughs> I said um, that. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think if I had a bit more opportunities, I definitely thought I could have had done a better job than what I did. Um, but c'est la vie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is, and you know, you're, you're not you're not done yet. And clubs, I expect, pretty soon because rugby is 
almost definitely going to come back. It seems mid August clubs are going to be recruiting, and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of not a lot of chat around. There's there's an agreement now that the wage cap in the Gallagher Prem at least is going to be reduced um, in the short to medium term. So I guess there's a lot of player consternation about that, having not been consulted. It's a complicated time, but rugby clubs are still going to need players. They're still going to get injured. They still need try scoring. They still need people leathering under a high ball. So, you know, um, here's hoping there's a, a job for you just around the corner. I just, um, while, you Yashvili, while you were talking about Yashvili, while you Yashvili just now, it made, made me remember this uh, thing I did, uh, an England-France game with him once, this corporate thing a couple of years ago and we were laughing because he was just having a fact I introduced him and he didn't he didn't turn up to the stage and he, we saw him through the window of like the the marquee thing he was just having a fag outside with a couple of the guests he was just smoking <laughs> and I said oh yash and he looks around oh sorry flet 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 sorry flet and we he come running in and he like pops a bit of chewing gum in his mouth and uh we were all laughing at him. I said, you're a physical disgrace. Like, how did you get so many caps? Why have you got your own nickname, Le Petit Jenner? Why are you such a legend? You know, you look like you work in a shop. And um, he was like, yes, but size is not the most important. Uh, size is not most important. This is Mr. Flat. And then he pointed at his temple and he said, anyway, my top two inches is much bigger than your top two inches. <laughs> I thought that was good. <laughs> I thought that was very clever. In second language, very clever. Yeah. Don't make me think of that. Oh, yeah. Very good. That's the best thing about Yash as well. He, he says, I don't speak very good English. That's what he says all the time. I don't, and he always yeah. wants to speak uh, French. But his English is better than my English, which is... <laughs> English is brilliant, yeah. Not that hard, actually. Very yeah. true. Uh, well, look, Bri, thanks for coming on the call. Well done on your gold medal in 2009 in Dubai. Um, thanks, uh, Did well as proud. Um, and... Let's um, let's hope we see you back on the box soon, on the wing. I appreciate that, guys. Yeah, just dominating, dominating to us over again at Toulon. Always remember no, that. That was great. That and you know, and just from a, a personal point of view, you know, because I, you know, I, I played at Bath for a long time. As you might, I wasn't going to mention it, but I uh, played there for thirty-nine years, eight hundred appearances, never lost. Um, captain for twelve <laughs> years. But I, you know, saw, seeing you come to Bath, all the boys you know, that I would bump into in town, they'd say this guy. You know, he's been awesome since he arrived and I'd really enjoyed watching you play for Bath. So I kind of, although because you're 33, I think now you're and you're a winger and there's a lot of back three players at Bath, you think, well, it's probably not a surprise that the odd back three player gets released. But I still, I actually thought they wouldn't have done that because your form was so good. So congratulations on that and good luck for the future, mate. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the call and uh, hopefully you all catch up soon uh, and have a... Have a pint. Have a brew. And, uh, yeah. Get back to social, brew, yeah. Here he goes. Hey. Get back to homeschooling now, mate. All right. Keep training, okay? Cheers, You're great, Nick. You're in great shape. Cheers, in great shape. I am mental, Nick. Cheers, guys. Alid Brew. Alid Brew. Got a brother, Nathan. Um, got a cat before him, actually. Very good player as well. Very similar, as better. you can imagine. Um, Alid career lasted a little bit longer, I'd say, and got more international recognition so probably him but mate so powerful so powerful you've, I mean you've announced you've announced his retirement now so you take him on at like 3k but you wouldn't take him on at a sort of anything explosive 5 10 meter yeah tackle bag drill oof oh, what, I mean, yeah it's obviously a lot of big blokes around but he's one of those guys that when I was sort of side, on the sideline at the rec watching a game commentating on a game he was playing and he got jogged off at half time past Mark Durden Smith and me and Durden was like whoa he is big mm. like he is a properly big bit of kit 
and loads of lo- nice footwork, but he showed a, some lovely skills when he was at Bath as well. Really safe under the high ball. Both had but really just, big legs and a big ass as well, yeah. where it generates all your power, you know that. So, And loved, loved physical contact. So, like the worst, you know, want to dominate you physically. Got that in their head straight away is yeah. that... Probably Aggressive. the first thing, yeah, first thing they want to do is just run right over the top of you and yeah. run with power as well. So Yeah, he's great. And it, he had he showed some lovely bits of skill really with Bath as well. So he was he was I'm so I actually surprised they've let him go. I suppose I am in one way and not in another because age and current personnel they've got on the roster already, but he was just so good. I would argue that he'd been a better asset for the club than Rocco the last couple of seasons. But um Yeah, maybe know, he certainly had some goes. great games anyway. Um but he yeah, look Let's hope him all well in the future. Um, so he finds another yeah. club. If he doesn't, um, good luck in the force. That's what I yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't mess with him, would you? No. Nope. Um, right. Good luck to you. Keep going. All right. Yeah. Um, have a quick film review or series review over the weekend, and uh, yeah, okay. and let me know next week. All right. If you've picked up okay, anything fella. good, because that's all we got in our lives right now, mate. Okay. Yeah, that's all we got. Yeah. All right. God bless. Keep going. God bless. Praise right. be. Okay. Tara. Bye bye bye. 